BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. everybody welcome to this week's Wolves fancast David Evans here on the podcast this week Roy's here I am um, I mean also in a new seat I don't think I've ever sat here before um, we'll see how that impacts on my this week might be a first show. of weeks yeah for we'll honest, come on to that but good evening uh, Dan's here I try and sit in the head of the table seat, even though you've got the desk most weeks so I uh, appear you want that grandeur don't you oh, you want that it just comes as part of the, the package that I'll, <laughs> I bring to the show uh, Rich is here as well I'm like Kevin Foley, I'm versatile. I'll, I'll kind of play anywhere, where, where is needed. So You're consistent every week. Yeah. I'm on the right cutting in today. Consistent every week. Right, everybody, we're going to talk a lot of things this week. We've got Bryce to talk about Olympiacos, whether what happens with that game, we still don't know. Uh, we've got West Ham of the weekend as well. We've got the quiz and we've got Twitter Corner as usual. But before we do, Rich, you are doing some charity things um, next month. Tell us about those charity things. I am doing charity things next month. So... Um, basically, via work, rather stupidly, I guess, for want of a better thing, we signed up to do the uh, Wolf Run. So for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's a 10k obstacle course. They do four a year, all across the kind of country. So we're doing um, one on the 5th of April, yep, the 5th, um, over in... Uh, Leamington Spa. Um, we're doing it to raise money for Birmingham Children's Hospital. So, God, I was going to say for either those who don't know. So, I, I had a kid, um, Isabel, uh, just short of seven months ago now, and I love her to bits. And frankly, if anything were to happen to her, it would break me. But as Dave and Royal know, if something did happen to her. Pretty much the first place I would have to take her is the children's hospital, which is literally walking distance from our office. So, kind of together, we're kind of trying to raise as much money as we can. It, I don't really need to preach why it's a good cause. The clue's kind of in the name no, of this no, exactly, one. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I've kind of thrown out the link on uh, Twitter. It's pinned at the top of my Twitter feed which is at Richard Hobbs. I'll probably sort of put it out through the fancast one a few more times in the next couple of weeks. But as I sort of said on Saturday, you know, not asking for oodles amounts. And, you know, my kind of ethos when it comes to giving money to charity is, you know, we, we've all got other expenses, we've all got other commitments. But you know what? If you're kind of not going to a game on um, Thursday now or you're going to go and watch it at the pub with your mates, if you're able to sort of you know, not have one of those extra pints and put three quid into this, you know, it'd be greatly appreciated. We'll share it on the fancast account as well. Is, that, is it at Richard Hobbs six? It is, yes. And I, I think as Rich was saying it, yeah, it'd be remiss not to say something there. I mean, it is an amazing charity. So, yeah. you know, I think as you alluded to, Dave, and there'll be people listening who have been affected by the hospital and under their care, 
you know, my daughter still continues to have regular appointments there and they're just some amazing things. So, yeah, if you can, absolutely, what a great charity. Yeah, so make sure if you've got a few spare pennies, uh, please donate to Rich's Cause. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get photos and that of Rich attempting oh, I, said run. I, I'm genuinely terrified. I think, because I, I kind of knew what it would roughly entail and kind of some of you were people in the office were just like, now nah, we'll be fine, it'll be good. I mean, you sure? I mean, it's a... 10k obstacle course it's like yeah but you've got like essentially it works out I think you've got like an obstacle every kilometre so go, yeah but you have to stop every kilometre to do the obstacle it's like yeah but you still got to do <laughs> several kilometres afterwards so we all sort of signed up for the ungodly fear of I think £55 to sign up anyway I'm going to get all for charity it isn't. Yeah. It isn't. Well, That's admin fees, David. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, then I found a video on YouTube of doing it, and it got to like the first obstacle, and so I went, "Oh, this looks. That looks a bit tricky." So yeah, so uh, it should. That's it should the be easiest good obstacle. What I, I did, I did think about live tweeting it as I go through it, but apparently you're not allowed phones or any form of technology, so you might just get a before and after photo. Okay, you do looking good peak shape for this as well Rich if I do so so thank you that, that shirt looks a bit baggy looks like I know, lost a bit I've, of weight lost, I'm doing alright at the moment I mean I'm not doing as much running as I'd like to but you know I reckon I can trundle trundle my way through it good good <laughs> just gonna drink my squash <laughs> <laughs> right let's talk about the game on Saturday it was a boring nil-nil draw with Brighton um, in, in a chance really that gave Wolves an opportunity to chase down that fourth Champions League place but of course when you give Wolves an opportunity they don't seem to usually take it so gentlemen my question initially with this was did Nuno get it wrong in terms of tactics and formation in hindsight you'd say yeah but I just think it's just a classic Brighton curse I don't think they necessarily even did a, a, a great style for us I just didn't think we turned up on the day I didn't think we had that intent that was needed to beat a team I still think we're lacking a number 10 for teams that are trying to stifle us but I think at the end of the day Brighton curse I think that's the thing I think in retrospect then yeah it's quite a kind of easy narrative to add and say well we're perhaps a little bit defensive and and we weren't set up quite as we should do against Brighton but I think ultimately, you know, there was nobody who um, had r- any real concerns when that team was out, you know, prior to the game. You know, you could make one or two changes. That team was well equipped to beat um, Brighton. They come and did a, a classic job and um, we weren't good enough to break them down. Yeah, I, I mean, I think probably not enough credit kind of goes to Brighton because I don't think it was just a case of they took everyone behind the ball. I mean, they played defensively, don't get me wrong. It doesn't sort of help that... Yeah, they they played really good football, actually, but they don't have an out-and-out striker who can lead the line for them the same way we have Jimenez. But we just looked so unimaginative. It was like we'd forgotten how to play in that formation. And, you know, I, we've probably said at the start of this season that we look very narrow when we play 3-5-2. And, you know, we're lacking that bit of creativity that... Donk doesn't really give you gives you a lot of industry and he can get up and down the pitch but we kind of don't have anyone who can really open up a game in the middle of the park in the final third but it seemed but you know in the last 12 months we've played that formation we've won with that formation well, we beat Norwich 3-0 only yeah, two weeks ago like, with it. They, they kind of just seem to struggle which considering this is like the first time in a few weeks they've had a week off in between games it, you know it's it's a missed opportunity but I don't think we really deserved anything out of the game if I'm going to be honest I mean there there were some arguments well there was the substitution in the second half of Pedence coming on which fair enough you want to give Pedence time but there were some arguments that perhaps in that situation it should have been Neto I think Pedence did okay but I just wonder whether Neto would have added a bit more urgency I don't know to, to it I mean, we certainly had some good, good options on the bench. Yeah. And it, you know, it's can't complain talk- now, can no, we? No, really? no. I mean, we've we've done this part at various points, and that's really been a, an Achilles heel. So, yeah, Neto, you know, someone when I was last on, I, you know, was really banging his drum, and he's looked very effective. But you know, Pedence obviously has done in, in Europa as well. Um, there were options there, it, and either all really, you know, I take the point in terms of Dendonker in there, but that side for me still isn't defensive because there's so many options and solutions where you can get goals in that team. 
Um, I just, I just think it was just, yeah, as Dan referred to earlier, it was just kind of a classic Brighton performance where they tactically, potentially, and just, just ground out a result. But yeah, it wasn't backs against the walls. You know, they were pretty offensive. So um, yeah, d- just disappointing because I just think we lacked that killer edge. Dan, do you think they should have took Neves off? I don't. Going back again to the side, I don't mm. see how he, why he took Neves mm. or Jota off for me. I thought Jota was a strange one. For Neves me. was the one who was more Neves. deep lining. Yeah. Looked like he was going to create something. I know his passing was a bit wayward at times, but I still felt like he was the one who was trying to make those passes. Three centre midfielders. He was the last one I, I would have yeah. took. I thought that was yeah. probably Martinez's worst game in a Wolf shirt. I was going to yeah. say the the goat is actually human. He mm. actually can have a bad game of football. It's weird because like ne- Neves has been you know really good. Uh, patch of form the last what six weeks or so you know bet best he's played in the top flight um for Wolves but during that period Martino's been really quiet and like genuinely I can't remember a game where both of them or you know a series of games where both of them have been on top form is it one of those weird ones where Matinho perhaps flourishes in the three four three but never flourishes in the three five two potentially um I I, I think They've got quite similar games, mm. or they will. Well, you know, Neves is, will probably evolve to be a bit more like Martinho's in years to come. Just, I know they, they just can't sit. They, they, they even work well as a pet. I mean, as a pair. Just, I can't remember seeing them like really boss too many games as a duo in midfield. It, it just felt to me that there was. Keeping Martino on purely for set pieces, and it, it was just one of them days. Yeah. From it reminded me when I was playing crap at Sunday League, when you just can't beat the first man for love nor money. The ball's heavy because of all there's that much rain in it. It just yeah. I, I, I don't see. It did feel like we were playing for set pieces in yeah. a way, and but the quality wasn't there to really challenge them. That's what Martino says when he's having a bad game. It's just like when Dan plays Sunday League, when you can't get yeah. past the first man. He, he never reached my level. No. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about Troy because he came on in the second half. Uh, but I saw a stat this week that he completed more dribbles from the 60th, fourth minute to the end of the game than any other player, which is five. He's now completed 144 dribbles so far this season. That's the third highest in the in a Premier League season. Um, the record is Hazard with 180. So he needs to average four dribb- completed dribbles per game in the next nine games to beat it. It wouldn't surprise you if he does that. If he can oh. stay fit and that shoulder stops niggling mm, him, yeah. Should he have started, Troy Ray? I, I can see why they rested him with Thursday coming up. I've got no issue with them putting him on the bench. But we... I don't know whether it was we lacked Troy Ray, Troy Ray or we lacked the width that he brings and like whether we could have just played Podence or Neto to subsidise it. Like... I think if his if shoulder wasn't 100% he shouldn't have been risked because no. Thursday was way more important than Saturday. Mm. I think we could have got... Uh, yeah, we had Neto, we had Podence. You know, but there's no... There wouldn't have been a need for him to have played even in a 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, Roy, Vinagra. Did you think, what do you think what kind of game he had? Because I kind of felt like he struggled at times. He did. Uh, you know, I think with, with Vinagra, I think when he sort of burst on the scene, I think we were all really excited to see him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got that talent. He's got that step over. You know, he's got that pace and he's been great. And then I guess, you know, we've had the consistency of Johnny where he hasn't got a look in. So he's kind of been in and out of the side. So, yeah, by his capabilities, it was one of those games for uh, Vinagra where things didn't come off, you know. Um, but for, for me, someone who is going to be a huge t- talent, you've got to persevere with him. There's arguments about his, his defensive play as opposed to his offensive play and perhaps being more of a threat going forward than he's you know, defending, but he'll mature into that, so I'm not concerned. It wasn't a great performance uh, from him, but you know he's a young kid and he's, he'll go into dips in, in and out of form. And um, So yeah, not a good game for, for Vinagra, but certainly one I think... Um, has got a real future with us. He just felt like he was trying a bit too hard. Mm. I think he tried to do that, like, cut inside really early on in, like, the open five minutes, and, he, you know, the defender just, like, read it. And, you know, just I think cut we all it out. discussed after the game that Basuma, there was in midfield oh, for I was going to say, if half of his shooting was solid, but he, he pocketed Vinagre every time he yeah, tried that cutting that you just mentioned. I was going to say, yeah. the, the man of the match clearly was, was him. Yeah. He was fantastic, especially in the second I, half. I thought, he was fantastic. I thought him um, and um, Popper. 
Was it Popper? Popper. Popper in yeah. the midfield. I thought both of them were really, really neat players. And, you know, they don't look really physically intimidating, but they pass the ball well. They make themselves, you know, available for one another. They got forward nicely. They really, le- they did what we needed to do in that formation, you know, in terms of kind of being able to just drive the ball forward. And I thought Basuma, you know, I've, I've not really seen much of him, mm. but. Yeah, no, I'd happily if Brighton go down, or even if they don't, he, he'd be a really different option mm. for us in the middle of the park. I don't know with what I noticed in the second half of Vinagra going back to uh, to Ruben is that there was times, especially later when he was trying to go forward. I don't know whether that link up play didn't work with Potence. He was constantly being. I don't know who was marking it, whether whether mm. it was about Basum, but he was constantly trying to go forward, then having to come back on himself again to pass it across the box. Where usually, when you maybe have got Neto there. They can link up well I and just go down that wing. Yeah, I think Vinagre kind of struggled in the formation to not have someone naturally in front of him. Yeah. The same way like he's had Neto and Jota, who are you know, quite savvy operators and can link up a play. And I think that's probably the difference between him and Johnny at the moment, is Johnny's probably got that experience and you know Johnny just does the basics really well and he's really kind of quietly good at creating kind of tri- those passing triangles to get walls up the pitch. You know, you don't really see Johnny, you know, drive down the wing with the ball. Like, you know, he might kind of nip past a man inside, but he gets forward and, you know, I think Vinagro not relies on his uh, kind of skills in his pace a bit too much, but. You know, if that wa- that wasn't working for him against, you know, a fairly athletic fullback as well, he needed to, you know, try and link up play inside more, which is probably just part of his game that's going to develop when he gets older. And I think it's just composure as well. I mean, yeah. Rich mentioned um, Adama early, and you know, some of the criticism of Traore last year, and it's been well documented in terms of how he didn't check his run; he was too offensive, and and you know lost sight of his man and, and so that's just little things he'll have to work on on his game but I'm a big fan of him I think he's a fantastic player mm. I think we've said it before just before missed opportunity with this one I kind of felt like still Brighton were there for the taking although we only had like one shot at one target shot, in the end really. 75th minute yeah Wolves had uh, Wolves have had 13 draws so far this season then now which is joint top with Arsenal we didn't lose but we didn't win we got a clean sheet it's one of those weird ones where we're not trying to be negative at all, but you kind of feel like even like with Liverpool and the Spurs that we've talked about before, there has been some opportunities to win games. We should be, I mean, my mind should be at least seven points better off than yeah. we are now, and that is really put you in the hunt for for fourth or third. But I just I don't know whether when the season ends, depending on how we finish, we might look back at it and go, "Yep, we only lost." Hopefully not as in a moment than the six games we're at the minute, but there have been some times where we needed that last killer touch, and we could be higher up the table. Yeah, I almost, I almost don't quite know where that killer touch comes from in terms of the, the personnel. Really, um, you know, I, I think it's beyond poor. And I don't want to necessarily be negative, but it did take us like seventy-five minutes to get a shot on target, and let's be honest, we didn't really have that many chances. It's not, it was, it's not even as if they were throwing bodies and no. blocking shots. It was just there was there was no real intent to try and break through. Like I said, I was yeah. relying on set pieces again. From what, I, from my opinion, yeah, um, felt like they were always just trying to play it by the numbers in a way, and it it, it just felt to me like they yeah. they just thought, yeah, it's going to come. The goal's going to come in a minute. We don't yeah. need to push ourselves. But then by that time. It was, it too, was late. too late. Wolves yeah. like to try and walk it in. Sometimes I find if you see their plan, plan it's like so. Basically, Jota will always check, check, take more touches. Yeah. Than there was a time in the second half where he was in the box, and he could have just easy shot, but he then tried to go past another man in the box. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes they, I don't know the, they, the play. They, sometimes feels I was like going to say they do in. try and wait to get the most. Op- I think about what I was describing it, but you know the most optimal chance of scoring. So whether that's you know making sure you know, if they go past that extra player, they're an extra yard closer to goal or something. And you know, I, I completely get it. But we've got players in that team who can hit the ball from eighteen yards out as opposed to just seven yards out, and that's kind of the thing that we miss. Especially when you've got a three-man midfield, you've got players who should be pushing on. 
Bloody hell, we know we all know Nevis can strike a ball pretty well from you know outside the box. You know Frank Lampard made a career out of you know arriving late in the box and scoring chances, which is literally like what we need a midfield to do in that position at the moment. Dave Edwards. Dave Edwards, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> but, but I think what we're at risk of here is overstating it because I, yeah. I take the point that we weren't clinical, you know, but as Dave referred to earlier, you know, we put three past Norwich, we've, you know, been getting goals, you know, I think we've been pretty clinical. It was just one of those for yeah. me, I, I really do. And I think, you know, in, in respect of, I, I came away from that game and I did feel, as I have with a few games this season, to, to answer the, the early point regarding those draws and 13 draws is a high number Um, that whilst we may have what's considered to be an acceptable season and we may finish in the top 10 and we'll have good run in the cups um, it could also be a a what if season as well and that's not being negative but but that's just basically saying God we've had some real opportunities where fine lines here we could be further up the table and while other teams are getting their act together then you know, could it be an opportunity miss? Well, we'll see. I think what's probably still a positive about the fact that there's been 13 draws, and you know, we'll, we'll finish the season, I assume, respectively, and respectively, respectively, in a respectable position. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm missing up my worst day. I'm, I'm, but where, where's Dan the grammar grammar police here? Can't do it in um, verbal, can you? Yeah. Um, but. They'll look at it at the end of the season. They'll go, you know what, we, we've we've had thirteen draws. Let's say at least seven of those we should have won. You know, just about yeah, half of them. Think, yeah. That's that's fourteen points you're looking at that we've they feel that they could have got extra. That's a big amount to then push on to from next season to go, you know what, we want four extra wins this year. And, you know, they talk about this project Wolves that we overstepped last year in terms of finishing seventh. But in theory, there's a good chance we could overstep again, um, depending on how far the European room might take us. I think it's kind of still good, and we're all, you know, as football fans, whenever we look at result, you know, we're kind of assuming that all defeats by one goal we should draw, and all draws we should win. So. You know, I think we'd have this last season if we look back onto some of those games like Spurs at home when we lost 3-2. Well, I thought we should have drawn it. Um, so I think we're always going to have that what-if about football unless you're Liverpool and you win, you know, 95% of your games. <laughs> right, let's, should we leave that as the one to move on from and let's never talk about that game again? Yeah. Uh, right, we're going to talk about Thursday night at time recording. Wolves take on Olympiacos in the last 16 of the Europa League, or will they take on Olympiacos? This is what's going on. So, at the time of recording now, which is probably going to sound very old already, uh, Wolves have got a behind-the-closed-doors game against Olympiacos in, in Athens because of the uh, coronavirus. Uh, the story is now that uh, Olympiacos owner Evangelos uh, Mar- Marinakis has uh, confirmed that he's got coronavirus all the players and staff for Olympiacos have had to go to hospital to check they haven't got it, so the game could be in doubt. Walls have asked for the game to be postponed. By the time you listen to this, you probably know what's going on. Um, and also, if you want to get a full preview of this game, if it does go ahead, we've done a Wondering to Gdansk episode, which is on the timeline, uh, with Demetrius Samalis from Sport24. He talks about Olympiacos, how they're probably going to win the league this season by a, a country mile, and also who their key players on. So if you go on our podcast list, you can find that as the previous episode. Um, first question, really, Rye, you were going to mm-hmm. go out to this game. Yeah. You've now decided not to go out to the game anyway. Mm-hmm. Um Gutting in general that this is another yeah. fantastic opportunity to go away in Europe, and it's because of obviously circumstantial circumstances, it's been taken away slightly. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I and I think you know everyone's had different experiences this season with the European adventure. For me personally, you know, I've looked at the the games in Portugal. I've looked at you know even prior to that in Istanbul and in Italy, and uh, you know most recently in Espanyol. When everybody went to Barcelona and had a, had a great time, and I've kind of gone, oh, maybe the next one, maybe the next one. And financially, I've not been able to do it, and with work commitments. So this one, for me, at the time of um, the announcement, came around quite nicely. Got the, the flights booked really quick at a decent rate. Got the accommodation sorted. 
uh, got the airport transfer sorted. So was really excited, um, was going with a group of five. And then as things have unfolded, as Dave sort of laid out there with the coronavirus and, and obviously the issues with the game and being behind closed door doors, um, it's changed. So pretty much up until this morning slash afternoon, I was going and then we made a decision because we could get some of the costs refunded to, to take a hit and not go. So really disappointed not to go. Really shit. Um, but, you know, this this is this is a global issue and I'm trying to kind of put it in perspective. So I'm frustrated, but there are deeper and, and you know, who knows what this, you know, m- may come with the effects of this, um, you know, on a, on a global scale. Yeah. So from a fan perspective, it's really shit. And for a personal one for, for me, it was my first opportunity to go this year and it's kind of been taken away. My call, uh, ultimately, in the end, um, but yeah, um, just because of the circumstances, decided to take a hit on this one. So, like I say, we'll see um, if the game does go ahead. Um, we, we shall see. Yeah, it's going to be strange. If obviously if it does go ahead, I mean, if it doesn't go ahead, I mean that that brings up a whole plethora of of scenarios that we don't even know what's going to happen with how that game is rearranged. If it is rearranged, but Jens behind closed doors. Now, the only time I've ever seen this recently was Croatia England in the Nations League, mm. just behind closed doors. I remember that was very strange because you could hear all the players shouting and I was like, oh, this isn't right. But we had it this season as well, which I mean, it wasn't closed off, which is probably why you forgot yeah. about it, where yeah. it was 15,000 school And kids, I don't think they yeah. can get away with that loophole <laughs> no. this time. No, but, but I think it's going to be very strange watching it on the telly, an empty stadium, which, you know, if you look at the Olympic Stadium, it looks like a mag- I think what I was looking forward to we're seeing the, the flares yeah. and the, the motifs and the banners mm. of Olympiacos and we're not going to get that now. Um, but it's going to be strange, I think. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna find, I'm gonna find it quite fascinating because I l- really enjoy actually being able to hear the players on the pitch and like actually, you know, kind of the similarities and the differences between you know casual football, you know, because they'll still they always still shout like man on and like you know push up and stuff like that. And it's like exactly the same as like if you're down the park or whatever, and but it is going to be surreal. And I think you know. Sort of talked about um, Nuno's comments uh, off air about you know their, their not willingness, but their you know their opinions that it should be postponed from you know from a couple of different angles. Um, but you know at the moment the game is still going ahead. The team are sort of I think supposed to fly out sort of early tomorrow afternoon, according to Tim Spears. Um, so I, I think it's just going to be time will tell. I think it's it's really gutting for. Um, the away our fans who are obviously you know book travel like yourself hoops but, you know there's also 20 odd thousand Olympiacos fans who can't go and cheer on their team as well um, so it kind of you know it, it's difficult um, to kind of have that sort of sense of perspective because this is kind of a global issue we're, we're all kind of sat in the middle of no one really quite knows how to um, handle it in the best possible manner Um and genuinely, I'm not sure if this game is going to go ahead on mm-hmm. uh, Thursday. Dan, if it goes ahead, are you still excited for another European adventure away? I thought, well, yeah, um, advantage rules if it is, is behind closed doors. You would think so, atmosphere. yeah. Uh, it's a bit like the Molyneux, the safe bank always, you know, sucks balls in. I think teams that have gone to Olympiacos recently, I know Tottenham, I think they struggled to get a draw yeah. in the end there early on in the Champions League campaign. Um I'm yeah. not. I'm not going. I'll just hint a bit of the wondering to Gdansk preview episode we did. But uh, Dimitri says that you know the win against Arsenal away is the, probably the greatest result in their history, which probably gives you some context of how they viewed Arsenal. But you would think I'm trying to be kind of not look at this with rose tinted glasses. But you would think that this is still a winnable tie. I think it. I, I, I think they're away goal for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't get yeah. stupid defeat. Obviously, don't lose yeah. three, four, one. But you need. Well, you I need think, to get that away goal. Yeah, I think similar to the Espanol game, it's you know make sure you get clean sheets when you can do. Get that away goal, and you know don't do anything kind of stupid. Don't give ourselves mountains to climb because I think, you know, from what I've seen is they're really solid defensively and they'll pick you off on the counter-attack. And, you know, admittedly that's sort of Wolves motif (laughs) as well, isn't it? But, you know, it's going to be a bit of who can blink first and, you know, it's an awkward one on Thursday because, you know, 
in a way, we almost better if we lose, you know, two one than if we draw nil nil. In a way, because we at least get the away goal and we'll back ourselves at home, maybe. Um, but you know, this is the fun about you know knockout football in you know in Europe. Um, you know, it, we've got these two legs. This first leg's in a bit of doubt. It, in a way, it adds a level of extra jar- drama. Um, unfortunately, it's one that none of us will experience. Yeah. Um, and then we get to do it all again in a couple more weeks' time. Potentially crossed. Yeah. And so I, I, how I treat the Europa League is it's just a, you know, it's the first time we've ever done it. I know there's a lot of fans who believe we're going to win it. So I just wonder, you know, if we do win it, obviously fantastic. But I just my view very much is, let's, I'll just, just see how far we go. And if we get knocked out against Lumpiacus, okay, annoying. But, oh well, it's been a great, I think it's been, great run. I think it's been fun. It's been something completely different. We've had lots of drama already, you know, in terms of like that Praslava game as well. We've had the Neves volley. You know, this is just like an extra, you know, occasion to talk about. It's one that, you know, will be remembered in history potentially um, as a global, you know, some you know, global crisis, I guess. But, you know, it's one that impacts football as well. But what are we third favourites? I mean, this is a genuine opportunity yeah. to win a, a competition. I think ultimately, you know, I've, I've said this this previously when when asked about our chances. If you fancy us against any side in the Premier League, and we're playing in arguably the, the strongest league in Europe, then you have to apply that yeah. to European competition. You'd only perhaps not apply it if your team weren't equipped, and if you didn't have Matinho, who's won the competition and full of internationals and full of European experience. So, but. You know what I'm perhaps consoling myself with, if 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 this season is a write-off in terms of the Europa League for fans, is if we are to develop where we want to go as a club, then we're not going to be strangers to Europe. So yeah. mm. you know, the, hopefully there'll be many more opportunities. I think the f- we as the club and as fans have got a taste of it now. We want more, yeah, <laughs> very much more of it in the future. Uh, Dan, I'd, last word on this for you. Just you, you, you're up for the Europa Cup, aren't you? I am now, yeah. I'm, I'm constantly always playing down our chances of actually winning the actual competition. But it's like what you say, you, you look at the teams that I'm left in and over two legs, you've got to fancy against anyone, especially when you get yeah. them to Molyneux. If you're still in the competition, second leg at Molyneux, you've got to fancy So I just think you just need a bit of luck along the way to win a, any mm. sort of knockout competition like this. And maybe us playing behind closed doors first could be the, the little bit of luck that we need. It We've got to win mm. it, Dave. <laughs> Right, okay, time to have a break. Afterwards, we're going to talk West Ham. We've got the quiz and we've got Twitter Corner. See you in a sec. Hey, it's David here. Now, I know you. You love a bloody good website, don't you? Look, come on, you do. You like a good website. If you're on your phone, you're on your computer thinking, I want to see a bloody good website, I'm going to go find one right now. If you want a bloody good website and you want one for yourself, for your business, why don't you go check out our sponsors, pixelyetimedia.com. They don't just do websites, of course. They do loads of different things for your marketing needs, such as design work and brochures. And they do our website as well, wallsfancast.com. It's a really good design. We're really pleased with the work over at the guys at pixelyetimedia.com. So, again, you're looking at some websites, you're thinking, oh, I really want a website that looks that good just for me and my business. Why don't you go check them out right now at pixelyetimedia.com. Hello and welcome back to the show. Right, we're going to talk uh, West Ham now and just to kick things off we've got Phil from the Stop Hammer Time podcast. Phil, how are you doing? Oh, not bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm loving that name, by the way. That's a great podcast name. Stop Hammer Time? Yep. Uh, yeah, cheers, thanks. <laughs> uh, right, let's talk about the game at the weekend. West Ham, you're just above the relegation zone and goal difference. You could go into the bottom three before kickoff. This might, I think I know what the answer is going to be to this question, but was Moyes the right choice second time round? Um, well, he did a really good job the first time. I mean, I have to say, you know, um, none of us really know what a kind of football manager does on the training ground, but, but Moyes, you could very you know clearly see changes he was making and in fact 
as game after game went by, the more annoyed you were with Slaven Bilic uh, because you realised that the team weren't fit, there were no tactics, um, you know, and he didn't really know how to deploy his players in a sort of um, sensible way. And Moyes came in and you could see, although it was quite slow, you could see... You could see what they were doing. You could see changes, you know. And, you know, often you wonder sort of what happens behind the scenes on the training ground with football managers. So so he did a pretty good job that time. And, and um, similarly, you can kind of see changes happening now. Um, so, you know, I think he's sort of okay. I think he gets a bit of a bad press. I think he's kind of bracketed with that kind of Allardyce, Pulis, um slightly pragmatic a bit boring you know that sort of manager um but i don't think he's like that i mean that everton team in the sort of noughties had arteta cahill you know really good players baines good fullbacks you know it's like you know uh, osman was good so so it's not like he doesn't know what a flair player looks like and so why are you where you are at the minute? Is it because, is it the players aren't good enough? Is, are they not fit? Is it the recruitment in the summer? How, where do you put it down to? Well, it's hard to, hard to say, really. Um, um, Pellegrini, you know, seemed to do a good job last season. Um, he is uh, he is quite stubborn. He sort of uh, seemed unable, really, to, to affect sort of significant changes in the team and sort of seemed reluctant to do so. Um, and some kind of, I don't know, some kind of morale seemed to seep away. We got off to a good start this season. There were people talking about a sort of knocking on the Champions League door and then everything just kind of fell off a cliff and uh, we started to just lose game after game and, and play really badly and he was really seemed incapable of, of doing anything about it. Um uh, our sort of most expensive players you know a couple of games ago our two record signings our, our record signing and our previous record signing were both uh, not starting not starting games and that's you know that's sort of got to tell you something in a way uh, Alaire wasn't playing very well under Pellegrini um, Anderson wasn't you know um, there was a strange sort of issue with recruitment as well we seemed to just acquire dozens of players who sort of want to be a number 10 you know uh, Anderson uh, Fornells Jack Wilshere you know they're, they're sort of none of those players are a triori for example none of them are sort of blisteringly fast and strong they're all sort of quite you know fancy damn sort of number 10 types Lanzini is another one for example arguably Noble is, is a bit like that as well so um, we were sorely lacking in kind of pace and mm, sort of it's a little bit one dimensional they're all slightly ticker tacker number 10s where you could you know just do with a couple of those and just buy someone who can run like, like Triori you know somebody like that Who should we still Watch out for Aswall's fans from West Ham on Sunday. Who who were the danger men, and how do you think it will be playing out on Sunday? Um, well, uh, the the team has been playing better the last couple of games. I mean, we lost um, against Arsenal, but very narrowly, and in fact had more chances than them, and just failed to hit the back of the net. You know, and uh, the Liverpool game was always going to be tough. And uh, again, we lost that very narrowly. If the goalkeeper hadn't just thrown the ball into his own net, we would have come away with a draw. And there were a couple of clear-cut chances that we could have scored. And uh, so we were unfortunately come away with that. So the team's playing well. He's playing... Um, you know, four, arguably four attacking players uh, up front with uh, Allaire, um, Antonio, uh, Fornells, uh, and uh, uh, the name escapes me. Maybe there's only three. But um, Antonio is always uh, difficult. He's a handful. He's, you know, like Triori, he's kind of big and strong and quick. Um, and if Allaire can get his shooting boots on, he is a good finisher. He um, scored a a uh, very good goal against um, Bournemouth uh, and uh, yeah you know he's um, he's uh, uh, he is a good player and I think he's a little bit more motivated now so um, you know those two our central defenders are sort of they're, 
they're playing fairly well at the moment for a team that's that's losing. But I would say yes, probably Alea and Antonio are our danger men. And finally, then, how do you see it playing out on Sunday? How, what what are the chances for your team, West Ham? Well, it's interesting. We we you know quite a few of us have been saying that there's a there's a kind of slightly difficult run of games uh, coming up. You know, one of which was Arsenal away. We've got Spurs away. I think Chelsea away. Uh, but possibly. We felt like we might get something out of those games, but the game that we were most worried about was uh, Wolves. Uh, because Wolves are playing very well at the moment and are a difficult team to sort of get past. Um, so, I don't know, you know, I'm sort of hopeful that, uh, you know, we, could, we can sort of nick it. Um, but, uh, you know, so maybe 1-0 to West Ham or possibly one all. Okay, cheers, Phil. Thank you much for your time. All the best, uh, apart from Sunday, all the best for the rest of the season. All right, cheers. All right. You too. Cheers, bye, bye-bye. Okay, cheers, for Phil, there from the Stop Hammer Time podcast for coming on. Jess, I want to ask you about this game is, if we do play Olympiacos on Thursday night, it's 10pm local time. It's going to be early hours in the morning by the time they're all recovered and they fly back. These European games have never affected us before. I just wonder, with the build-up with the game and the on-and-off, well, there is a potential for the first time this season that this, this could affect us going to Sunday. We still haven't lost after the first two games, have we? No, and that's that's the thing. And it's funny because um, we did the Love Sports Show on a Wednesday and they, they always ask us, oh, but you've got a Thursday night game, mm. you've got a game coming up. I'm like, yeah, but that happened, I think, was it Besiktas? And then we went yeah, yeah. to yeah. Yeah. one yeah. and then obviously Spurs. So it doesn't, but yeah, slight difference in 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 time and stuff. But um, it's all hypothetical. But shouldn't we seem to? It, it, for me, we've got the recovery spot on. We've got a sports science team behind us, and I think that's not really caused an issue so far, as Dan was saying. It might just be that the players feel that they have to put more effort in once they come back from Europe to, you know, dispel that fatigued, um, mm. whatever. We often slow like, start, don't we? Yeah. We sometimes, but. Um, West Ham are definitely a team that we can beat. Yeah. Um, so saying, if, I think if we if we take them too lightly, then you will get picked off. Because I, I like Mikel Antonio. I think he's mm. definitely a real handful. Um, Hal is a big lumper. They'll, any any type of chance to get the ball in the box, they'll they'll get towards him. But um, defensively, I think they are there to be scored. Yeah. Be plenty past. It would be interesting how you know, depending where they are in the table before the game, because they could be in the bottom three. How they approach that game? Do they feel like they're going to have to go for it? Do they feel like they're just going to have to try and shore up to at least get something from the game? I mean, they've never had particularly, I was going to say, great fans where it could, you know, they got on their backs very quickly. Mm. And I think, you know, yes, we haven't lost a game, I think, on a, after a Thursday night game, sort of since the group stages, but we've drawn a lot of them. Um, we talk about seen draws, I think the majority of them seem to have come after the Thursday ones. Um, off the top of my head wouldn't um, surprise me yeah uh, so and a lot of them have been us we've conceded early on and then we've dragged ourselves back into it and I, in a way I can't always hope we yeah it bored our socks off and we do what we did against Brighton just keep it solid keep it simple for at least the first half and you know they're gonna they need to start picking up points if they want to avoid the drop mm. and they need to you know they'll be looking at Saturday as a potential opportunity Three four three or three five two. I think it depends how they're doing after Thursday. Um, but I'd probably say three four three. If what Phil from Stop Amateur was just saying, if they if they got three four out net attacking players, Antonio, uh, Halla, four nails, and I don't know if that Felipe Anderson's playing. Well, was it is it um, Bowen as well? Was the one? Oh, they got Bowen. Bowen yeah. Yeah. The one he, he, he scored. He scored in these. Yeah, yeah I think that was the If they're going to go with that sort of attacking higher output then I think them there to be you know at our peril on our counter attack yeah no absolutely I mean I, he was right in what he's saying you know I watched a little bit of them against Arsenal and also the Liverpool game and they haven't been far off along with Dan I think Antonio since his Forest days is a really good player so they've obviously got good players they've spent the money we all know about that um, he was quite positive, actually, for a West Ham fan. <laughs> it really surprised me. Um, it surprised me about yeah. the Moising, but then I think that yeah. if you're outside yeah. the bubble yeah. of yeah. other teams, oh, you don't really like that the Man United yeah. spell that he had. I think hey, he's just got yes. that mid-nose in there. Yeah. Sorry, I just realised what I, my inverted joke there without doing it. Genuinely didn't mean to do that. <laughs> um, okay, so West Ham at the weekend. 
we'll see what happens, shall we? Right, time for the quiz, everybody. Dan's got the quiz ready. Uh, special guest on the phone this week. Our guest participant is uh, Twitter connoisseur uh, Jason Guy. Jason, how are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Uh, before we start, um, people may know you from the Wolf Whistle podcast. Why don't you give our listeners a, a taste of what they can find on the podcast? Well, yeah, we uh, launched it in November, um, and it's born really from the fact that Help Run the Wolves all starts with Melee, so I'm speaking to the former players about the story, so I thought I'd document them on the podcast, and what we're trying to create is something timeless, something a little bit different to the old goal club on the basis that we're interviewing a lot of players, um, which which might not get in there because they've only sort of played a few games for the club and, and they seem to be the ones the supporters are most interested in so that's the Wolf Whistle podcast and uh, thank you for the plug No worries, right, let's get on to the quiz uh, Dan, you are the quiz master, you are ready to go um, so Dan, over to you for the first question Hi Jason Hello Oh yeah um, you're more black country than I am, Jace, to be honest. I don't think you, you was that black country, to be honest. I'll, I'll put my telephone voice on as well. <laughs> is, that, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, this is the best voice I've got. Fair play. Right, let's get started. This, this, as I spoke to you earlier, Jason, this is a tough quiz this week, but question one, I'm expecting everyone to get this, otherwise it's going to be a long, long quiz for <laughs> oh, a lot no, of you. Okay. So, question right. one is, former Wolves and West Ham winger Matt Jarvis recently signed for what National League side okay I think I've got oh. this give yourself a, a couple of seconds to think about it Jason while these you're going to um, you have to trust me I've got nothing to type yeah, it on you want to type the answer I'm alright so Just there's no uh, trust my head fiddling and whatever <laughs> Jason's struggling I wish him luck as well <laughs> I wish him luck on Twitter I just wish I could remember who it was um, I'm doubting myself now I think I've got it okay um, do you know what? I'm, uh, do you know, um, uh, I'm just going to... I know it's wrong. I'm going to say Yeovil, but I know that's wrong. Okay. Uh, Mr Hooper? Yeah, I, again, I, I saw the, the interview and I saw the um, tweet from the club and I, I'm kind of with JC. I think it's wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm going to go with a, a southern non-league team. Okay. So yeah. I'm just it's on not. that basis, I'm going to go Maidstone. But um, I don't think that's right. David. Woking? I think, oh, I think it might I've be gone working. working as well. Okay. The the, uh, the leaders of the pack, Richard and Dave, working? have gone one nil ahead yes. with the answer of Woke. Woking. Come on. Woking. Woking, Jason. It's going to be a long quiz from you now, Jason. <laughs> you, you're already um, facing the relegation drop already, Jason. <laughs> right, so, second question is, in June 2001... 16 football internationals from around the world descended on London to take part in the inaugural Pepsi World Challenge. <laughs> Can you name two of former Wolves player Sammy Algebert's opponents in that tournament, excluding David Beckham? Right, okay. So, 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 so in that, on this, in that uh, tournament, there were two former Wolves players. No, no. no. Just name two of the opponents of Sammy Algebert in that tournament. Right, okay. And what year was this, sorry? 2001. 2001, okay. And what, 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 um, what nationality were they? Well, they're just football, in- what, what Pepsi would have classed as world-class internationals. Oh, jeez, okay. Okay. No, two of them, okay. One of them was David Beckham, obviously, because he was just David Beckham. And then there was... One being Roberto Carlos. Okay. And your second one? Yeah, two. Well, there's 16 in total, but if you can name two of them, you get two points. Uh, Well, I ain't going to get all 16. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Roberto Carlos won, and I'll go for Zinedine Zidane. Okay. Okay. That's your two locked in, Jason. Richard? I've also gone for... I've also gone for Roberto Carlos, and I've also gone for Raul. Raul. Raul and Roberto Carlos. David. I also went for Roberto Carlos. You have to trust me on this. I've also gone for Ronaldinho. Okay. Oh, Ronaldinho. Yeah, I'm gonna do the countdown thing and show Dave that I've also gone Ronaldinho. Yep, and Messi. And Messi. Okay. okay so, Roberto go. Carlos is one. Hey, okay. so we'll get a point there. The rest of your answers were incorrect. Oh, so okay. Okay. You could have had Rivaldo. Oh, okay. Alberto Solano. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
tip uh, of my Dwight tip. York or Rui Costa. All the rest were players like Fans, Sheehy, Ockham Buruk, and Emmanuel Olisi Daibu. Household so names. Fans were playing on that one, guys, just the yeah, one point. Yeah, okay. Well, so 2 2 nil nil, I believe. Right, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, Jason got one. Oh, 2 2 1 0. 2 2 1 0. Okay, next right, question. Next question. <laughs> In 1992, <laughs> electrical retailer Rumbelows <laughs> set about finding the fastest player in the four divisions of the Football League. Can you name two of the former Wolves players from the 90s who made it to the last 16 that raced at Wembley? Jeez. I've got to say, Dan is raising the quiz to new heights this week. Um, at do we do FC Fancast on Twitter oh, let us know how you get on with the quiz show you're working out 1992 so I think Wolves players <laughs> don't, 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 don't give any more after 1992 <laughs> that you I was born passed, in 92 that you may have classed oh. as fast I don't even oh, I would have thought the 90s would have been around your prime years Jason to be honest it, it, it would have been but it's also when I discovered alcohol oh yeah understandable <laughs> <laughs> oh I will go for an absolute shot in the dark now. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for Paul Blades. We've got a second one. Um, second one. I was struggling with the first one. Second one, I will go for... Uh, Dennis Pierce. Oh. Okay, okay. I have no idea. Can I just put mine out? Mark Rankin. <laughs> and Mark Rankin was one of the slowest. I don't people. know. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of players. Um, oh, Jeff Thomas. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, two, two two wing players here. These these were quick. Tony Daly. Yeah. Steve Froggart. Okay. Oh, yeah. Froggy actually. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. Great logical answers. But, 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 okay. <laughs> and yeah, you're all wrong at the moment. So I, risk, risk to take a massive step ahead here. Bearing in mind, this was the year I was. Born, uh, neither of these two. I've gone Mo Kamara and Dan Baisley, but I feel <laughs> like I, Super Mo. Yeah. yeah, but I'm about a decade too early. Yeah, you, you're just wrong. You're just yeah. all you're just all wrong. So uh, go on then. Yeah, Tony Tony Daly was a great logical answer. Yeah, really, yeah. really, really good chat. I'll get that probably injured and probably didn't even compete yeah. in the tournament. Pulled his hammy at the start. <laughs> the first one was Michael Jilks. Okay. Who, was at, who was at Reading at the time? Never heard of The him. second one, which I know in the right mind would have got this unless they've just got photographic evidence in mind. Keith Curl. From oh, okay. okay. Keith Curl. So they made it into the last 16. The winner was John Williams of Coventry. Oh, okay. That, that so household name. That's, that's it. That's it. Okay, next question. Here we go. This week in 1997, oh, Steve Bull was sent off against which team? prompting me to write to the FA <laughs> demanding that the red card was rescinded. What's annoying is Dan has told this story on the podcast before. Numerous times. Oh. And you just never listen to what I've got I should have. I should have. Can I have my guess? Go on, yeah, Jase. Yeah, all the answers is, are locked in. Is it Leicester City? Okay, there's your answer Leicester locked. City. Richard has gone for Leicester City. Uh, I'm just thinking he had that rivalry with... Um, Steve Walsh. Yeah, yeah I, I'd also gone Leicester because I've, I've got a feeling it was a game at Filbert Street and there was a nil-nil. Naturally, yeah. my head, I'll be honest, answer. naturally in my head, I went for Nottingham Forest or say okay. Nottingham Forest. Okay. The correct answer was Oldham Athletic. Oh, oh. okay. okay. We lost Sorry, this saw a different time Dan wrote to the FA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we lost 3-2 and he actually got sent off for an altercation with former Wolves defender Craig Fleming. Do you remember Craig Fleming? <laughs> I do. Yeah. He, do really, he, only... he played one game. He played one uh, against, game for Wolves and he was against, shit. Against Cardiff, I want to say. Maybe. I don't get extra points. But <laughs> at least you it's... Know, a... You couldn't even Google his answers. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> I'm a very sad man, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> right, next question. Next question. Which TV reality show judge <laughs> is a West Ham fan who shares the same surname of a striker of ours from the 90s? <laughs> I do what you do. West Ham fan. West, West Ham fan. TV judge. TV reality show judge shares a surname of a striker of ours from the 90s. Oh, God. I really want to see people's workings out on Twitter this week at WFC Fancast. Email them in if you want. Podcast at wolfsfancast.com. Absolutely no idea. You are allowed to pass, Jace. Oh, God. Uh, oh, 
Just have a guess. Just, no, just, just have a guess of a striker of ours from the nineties. It doesn't matter whether it's Avard Flo okay. or Guy Whittingham. No, Cedric Russell, and I'll change the first name to Billy Russell. Okay. okay. There's your answer locked. <laughs> David, can I come to you? Because you you're not writing anything down. No, I, I've no idea. I'm just going to say Claridge. Steve Claridge. Steve Claridge. I've, I've no idea. Mr. I've no idea, but I'll, I'll just guess it. Connolly. David Connolly. I've gone Connolly as well. Can't look to the spelling. David Connolly. The correct answer from the Strictly Come Dancing fame, Len Goodman. Oh, oh, he is retired. You still class him as a team. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this will not be another Darren Baisley <laughs> quiz moment. Yeah, okay. okay. So there's one last question, and I think we might have to go to a tie break if we don't even get it right. Okay, yeah. Pedro Neto turned 20 yesterday. Can you name the artist and cover song which was number one on the day he was born? Recently sung by Tyson Fury after beating Deontay Wilder. Oh, damn it. Did he sing it to his wife as well? It, he sang it in the ring after, oh. the, after the fight. Oh, American boy's doing... more than 20 years old, isn't he? Oh, Richie's straight in there as well. Oh. I'm, I'm taking that as your answer, Jason. It's going to have to be because um, I, I, I fell asleep and didn't wake up for the fight. A bit like Deontay Wilder. So <laughs> I am going to have to say American Pie. Yeah, I went same. Which has gone for American Pie. Yeah, because I think was it Madonna's version. Yeah, I'm going to go American Pie. David? I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'd be, I'd, I could easily just jump on that, but I won't. But fairly, so I will pass completely. I'll let I'll let the, yeah. the quiz winner be someone else if need be. The correct answer was Madonna with American mm. Pie. Ah, okay. Yeah, you got you got it, Jason. Don't worry. <laughs> don't don't be surprised. <laughs> Are you sat down? Are you sat down? Are you calm? Does that mean I won? That mean Richard's won, I think, isn't he? I'm, um, I really should stop put, taking these points <laughs> down, to be honest. Uh, yeah, Jason yes. finished with two. Yeah, Roy with one. Roy I had two. Yeah, and so I, might, I got a mighty three out of eight. Richard with three. <laughs> well done, <laughs> Rich. Didn't even get above half. Thanks for playing, Jason. It's nice having you on. What's your score prediction for Olympiakos and West Ham? Uh, so the Olympiacos, I'm going to go for 2-0 to Wolves, and the West Ham, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Wolves. Nice very one. good. Cheers, Jay. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks, Cheers. Well, big thanks to uh, Jason Guy uh, for coming on the show. And if you uh, search for Wolf Whistle Podcast, you can find it uh, online wherever you get your podcasts as well. Gentlemen, it's the last part of the podcast, everybody. Um, we're going to do Twitter Corner. We all fired up for Twitter yeah. Corner this I was, week. I was yeah, just yeah. going to say, Wolf Whistle po- Podcast, Nigel Quasi. Honestly, yeah. really good um, recommendation. I think you were saying there, you know, there's some real random names that are never going to make it into the and old goal club. But without good mocking the players, they're not. They're not media trained, so the no. the modern riders honest. What what we want when it comes to the old gold, mm, you have mm. the old gold. They've had some great people on, but they've not gone into the answers that I've wanted <laughs> to the detail that I need. They've <laughs> not died into the weeds. Right here we go. Quiz time. Not quiz time. We had quiz time. Twitter corner oh, time. Right. Everybody. Uh, uh, we've got a few fancast people uh, giving <laughs> answers this week, which makes you think on the how many <laughs> questions we've got this week on Twitter Corner. Uh, Gully from Musings from Among You says, alternative things to do at 8pm on a Thursday night. This is presumed bracketed with if the game doesn't go ahead. What else should or would you be doing on an 8 o'clock on a Thursday night if um, wow. this game doesn't happen? I'm currently re-watching The American Office. Very good. So, Very good. probably that. Coming on season four. Right. What else could people I, do? I, yeah, possibly. Thursday night, eight o'clock. I still think that I'm in the nineties, and I would say go to the varsity and <laughs> have a pound of pine, and then go to the Royal London. Um, but yeah, with your yellow card. With your yellow card, yeah, or your V card was it? Is. Card <laughs> um, but yeah, gonna have gonna have a few drinks. I'm gonna probably. I don't know what's gonna happen with the game. Probably go for a curry. I think there. Uh, Dan, what else um, should people be doing on Thursday night? I'm currently um, reliving my early adulthood by playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Oh. Very nice, very for, nice. I think it's like £11-12 off the PS store the other day, so that's, okay. that's quite enjoyable. Apart from that, I'll probably just be watching some crap on the telly. Very good, very good. Cool. How about what you, about Dave? Uh, feel like it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyone Don't ask me? me? No? Nope, <laughs> nope. okay, <laughs> move on. <laughs> I want to know what uh, I'm doing then. 
I will probably still try and be putting my daughter to sleep, and if that's successful, I'm still going through It's Always Sunny. Oh, yeah. On Netflix, deep into the last latter series now, and I think the latter series have been fantastic, so I'm loving it. Dan- it, is, it is. No, it is a class show. It is. It's so good. Uh, other questions. Malteser. It's uh, obviously very themed at the moment. Have you got any bog roll and hand sanitizer for sale? Uh, anybody got that for sale at all that they can offer out to Malteser? Or you just stockpiling it for yourself? It's mine. I, I wouldn't stockpile toilet paper because it's not edible. Just, 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 yeah. put, your, just put your bum in the sink. <laughs> Maybe pasta. Or, you know, something that's going to be useful yeah. if you you have to go into your bunker to be fair, for a while. There's but, a shortage you know. of pasta. I there is, doing a yeah. Weekly yeah, shop, there is. Yeah. Just use a sock. Well, Surely your washing machine's not going to be in any trouble while this... No other question was there. Hang on, <laughs> what, where, what? Where's this got from pasta? Oh, I was uh, talking about you using toilet paper. Uh, just use okay. your sock. Okay, yeah. Okay. Washing machine. Plenty of wet wipes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Andy Gardner says, can you tell me who will win the Cheltenham Gold Cup? I have no idea. <sighs> Sorry. Your, your, your money would probably be best on Al Boom, who, who won it last year, but my tip would be Ken Boy at 8-1. Dan's top tip. I can't validate that, but you sounded You said that with so conviction. Yeah. Like, I'm not even a gambler, but I'm, I'm going to yeah. go each way on that. 8-1, Ken Boy. I might put my Euros that I took out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Stu says, instead of toilet roll and pasta, what is the best thing to stockpile? Ooh. Money. <laughs> Keep it from the tax man under the mattress. We don't do tax advice on this show. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the record. Oh, yeah. Anything else? Anything else to stop Paul at all? Ice cream. Yeah, I think ice cream would be good, wouldn't it? I'm trying to think of like, you need mm. tradable commodities, don't you? Yeah. Like, Everyone wants ice cream. We're going to live in an age where people are going to have things and you're going to need to trade. Everyone likes ice cream. <laughs> And I'll be able to get a little roll. And digestives. Digestive oh, biscuits yeah. as well. But the chocolate yeah. ones are not the no, plain. No, a plain. Oh, come on, Roy. I, come I, on. I can, well, eat a chocolate one, but I feel like you lose something if you have the chocolate on there. You want a digestive in its pure form. <laughs> it's fair comment. No. no. Or, you, or you just get a chocolate biscuit. It's, you know. Uh, ben on the show says, if you were to get coronavirus, which Wars player, past or present, would you most like to treat you? I think Matinia for me, it's, it's straight there, Matinia. John DeWolf. Yeah. But if he could turn yeah. his back from me, I could pretend it was a blonde lady. Okay. Uh, and I'd just stroke his hair while he would be tummy. I'll go with Darren Peacock then for that same <laughs> reason. <Okay. laughs> Peacock, John DeWolf, Matinia, Rich. He's Does mine you. have to have some like weird sexual angle to it? No. Okay, good. Um... Mark Stalin, man, she's got big hands. <laughs> Fuck you, so Mike Lokes for a second. <laughs> Right. Kevin Muscat uh, Matt, would Matt. make you feel like he'd <laughs> scare the virus out of you. Yes. Yeah. Rich, anyone? I'm still, I'm still, I'm still pausing. Matt Murray. I think, Matt he, Murray. I think he'd cheer you up. No yeah, he'd give you a good laugh, wouldn't he? And yeah. uh, I mean, he didn't punch that Tottenham fan. I thought Unreal. <laughs> I know he's like, he's got a, he's got a, oh. me, a media image he has to like, play up to, but I'd have killed that yeah. man if he was in yeah. my face like that. I mean, uh, <laughs> like me with my, bare, with my bare hands. I mean, I, I've heard sort of stories of Matt Murray when he was a player and like, if like a physio would piss him off, he could literally like pick him up from one side of a treatment table and throw him over the other side. And I thought, he's probably still got that inner strength to yeah. demolish a man. And it was a shame he didn't. Uh, and final question, Matt on the show as well says, chicken, lamb, pork, beef. Rate the Sunday dinner meats in order. So let's go from the the poorest, yeah, the least want to the, the, the most want. How are you rating those Sunday dinners? Chicken, lamb, pork, beef. Sorry, vegetarians and vegans out there. I'd go, yeah, kind of in that order in terms of chicken being last, lamb, pork and then beef. Okay, that's a, yeah, that's good, Dan. I'm going to give rationale, but, but that's fine. I'm not really... You're not a Sunday roast fan? Uh, no, I mean, I had a sausage sandwich from Christmas dinner the one year, so that's just... That's like, wow. so <laughs> bleak. I, I, I tell a lot. Not I even went, a You weren't part of a fan cast at that point. No, no. no. Yeah. I went to the Oakley Arms in Brood on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And I had a lovely uh, beef and pork Sunday roast there. Mm-hmm. It was nice, but I'm just not a fan of lamb. If I had a choice, I would have had chicken, but that wasn't on the menu. Mm. So, I had to, so I went for the mixed pork and beef. I had it at the Shrewsbury Arms in Albright. It feels like we're just doing plugs. We should like, Very be, nice they, places. They, they should they be paying us, for this. If they give us free meals, that's We, we need to have a commercial meeting after yeah. this. Um, have, they, have they got but, football in the Shrewsbury Arms? No. Nah. No. 
Nah. But they do do they do do a Sunday yeah. roast platter, which is free meats. We could have came in for like a free Sunday roast if they had a football on Sunday, but yeah, that's unfortunately not. not. I think they do they do football at the I think it's the Crown in All Brighton. Anyway, we're kind of moving off point. Uh, I think I'll probably go same as hoops. I I really like lamb, but I'd potentially switch it with chicken just because the other ones you've got leftover potential much more. I don't think lamb does well as a like mm. next day or even at like an eight o'clock meat snack. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be universal here and say I think that's probably the right order. Chicken, lamb, pork, beef. Bit of mint sauce as well. I think because we have chicken a lot sauce. generally, don't we, as well, so it's kinda of not as exciting as when, you know, a beef <laughs> dinner comes out. Yeah. Um and that's everybody. That's the end of this week's show. Thanks for listening. You can follow us all week on social media, type in Wars Fancast and you'll find us there. And if you like what you've listened to, make sure you subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes. It helps on the charts apparently. And we'd very much appreciate it. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about West Ham and potentially previewing and being us again. We have no idea what's going on. It's probably old news. But for this week, it's bye from Rich. Goodbye. Bye from Dan. Bye-bye. Bye from Rye. Bye. Bye from me. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.